0: We have this month been teaching on the topic of grace giving. Everybody say grace, Grace. say giving. And uh, we've admitted that we need all the help that we can get from God when it comes to making and spending and giving our money. And God doesn't need our money, but we need God in our money. You know what I mean? And, uh, And this is true for everyone, but especially Christians. Grace should cause us to spend and give our money differently than people who have not experienced grace. And grace giving is different than giving. Because grace giving is not motivated by guilt. It's not motivated by by pressure. And week after week, you, you hear me get up here and talk about grace. I beat this drum of grace and gospel over and over again. That we are saved by grace Through faith because of the life and the work of Jesus Christ and we get credit for the life of Jesus because he took credit for our life and so when God looks at us he sees the perfect life of Jesus he doesn't see our mistakes and our sins and our failures he sees the perfect life of Jesus this is grace this is the gospel and if it's true and it is And that means that my access to God and my salvation are based entirely on what Jesus did, not what I do. Let me say it again. This means, what I just explained to you means that my salvation is based entirely on what Jesus did and not what I do. And if that's true, then there's a lot of areas of our life where we need to reassess why we do what we do. And especially in the area of generosity. What about giving? When it comes to grace, how does this affect my giving? If what I give away or what I don't give away doesn't change how God sees me or how God feels about me or how God saved me, then why should I be generous? Why should I I give? And to be clear, you don't have to give a penny. You can be a Christian. You'll go to heaven And you don't have to give a penny away your entire life. And I've said each week that some of you who are visiting, you're like, yes, I've been waiting to hear this sermon my entire life. Thank you. And you're telling your spouse, I told you, right? You don't have to. It does not affect the way that God sees you or loves you or how God saved you. Because what you give doesn't save you or unsave you. It's not a thing, but you know what I mean? It's unsaved. So if I don't have to give, why should I give? And here's the question, how much should I give? I've been teasing you with this every week of this series, how much should I give? If I don't have to give anything, why should I give? And more importantly, tell me how much I should give. And that's how we're going to end the series today. We started by asking, uh, how do we define life? How do we interpret success and define success? Grace should change that. And then last week, we talked about how we view God, and grace should change that. Well, this week, we're going to answer the question, how much should I give? And grace should change that. How much should a Christian give? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you how much you should give. Get a pen out, because I'm going to tell you to the penny. Are you ready? Write this down. I don't know. I don't know. We can pray and go home by your heads. Here we go. God, thank you for the sermon. No, I'm just kidding. But I can't answer the question for you. It is an impossible question for me to answer, and here's why. Because in the Old Testament, the answer was clear. It was very clear. It was part of the law. If you were a Christian, you had to tithe the first 10% of everything that you produce and earn. That's what the word tithe means. It just means tenth. And so in the Old Testament, as part of the law, you would take the first 10% of all your produce that you uh, grew or any money you earned, you would bring any of your livestock that had been born or your grains or your coins, you would bring 10%, you'd bring it to the temple, you'd give it to the priest, the priest would take that money and use it, it was what fed the priest, it was also what funded the temple and helped the poor, and it was settled. This was the law in the Old Testament, every Christian must tithe. Easy answer. But in the New Testament, after Jesus came, the law was no longer tithing. As a matter of fact, there was no law at all for giving. Isn't that good news? That you you don't get in trouble anymore for not tithing, which is good for most Christians, statistically speaking. In all the New Testament epistles written by the apostles to help believers know how to follow Jesus, the word tithe was never mentioned, never came up. And they're teaching Christians how to live and how to follow Jesus and instructing the church, how to build the church, and not one time did they ever bring up the topic or the word tithing. And then Jesus in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus mentioned it one time, just once. And we'll look at that. And so in the Old Testament, it was clear. And in the New Testament, it doesn't talk about the way that they did it in the Old Testament. There's no law about it. The the, the apostles don't talk about it. Jesus only mentions it once. But at the same time, you and I both know, no one here would argue that Christians shouldn't be generous. We, We believe that. So the question is, if tithing was no longer the Old Testament law and Jesus came, it's no longer the law. And the apostles didn't mention it, and Jesus only talked about it once. How much are Christians supposed to give? And there is an answer. And the answer is sacrificially, sacrificially. In the Old Testament, the requirement was tithing. But in the New Testament, the command is sacrifice. And that's why I couldn't tell you how much you were supposed to give. Because I don't know how much would be a sacrifice for you. But you do. I don't, but you do. This is why it's always really dangerous and really impractical when someone tries to tell you how much that you should give because I, I don't know. They would not be able to know. And Jesus never really did that with anybody else either. In 1789, John Wesley, the famous preacher, preached a sermon called The Use of Money. And his three points were simple and to the point. Here's where his three points earn as much as you can, save as much as you can, give as much as you can. I like that. I like that. That's an easy sermon. And it gets to the heart of sacrificial giving. Because when we have experienced grace, we should be compelled to give as much as we can. And so the we're going to answer the question, how much should I give? And it's an important question. It's a practical question. But a more important question is, why don't I want to give more? Why am I not compelled by grace to give more? And in the story that Ella read for us today, we see the ultimate example of sacrificial giving. Many of you have heard this story before. It's been read to you or taught to you. And it's something we teach children in children's church or bedtime stories, that there is this widow, and she gives her last Two coins, all she has. This is not like a uh, like a metaphor. No, it's literally all she has, and it's a moving story. But let's be honest: if that was our mother or our grandmother, we would have told her not to do it, right? I want you to imagine for a moment, put yourself in that position. Let's imagine that your mother or your grandmother came to you and they told you that all they had left was one $20 bill. They're living in your basement. They don't. They, they didn't have any retirement. They're, they're really on a hard time. They got to pinch every penny that they can. And they come to you and they say, all they have left is one $20 bill and they're going to put it in the church offering. It's all they've got left. What would you say to them? Like, honestly, not because we're in church and you know the spiritual answer. I want you to really think about what you would say to your mother or your grandmother who has one $20 bill left, and they say, yeah, I'm going to give it in the church offering. Wouldn't we say something like it? I mean, it would sound differently for everybody, but it, I think most of us would say something like, "Mima, it's the thought that counts. And God knows that you want to give. And he's probably just going to give you credit for wanting to give anyway. But listen, God also takes care of those who take care of themselves, which is not in the Bible. We would say something like that. And we would say, you know, God wouldn't want you to be irresponsible. He would want you to do the smart thing. So, So that is so sweet. And I love you for it. And God loves you for it. But let's don't do that. I mean, be honest, your advice would probably sound something like that. And the reason that we would give that type of advice is because sacrificial giving feels illogical, but more at the heart of the emotional side of it, it feels irresponsible. Irresponsible. And I love the way that Dallas Willard talks about sacrifice. He says this, he says, The cautious faith, that never saws off the limb on which it is sitting, never learns that unattached limbs may find strange, unaccountable ways of not falling. I love that. He's talking about the miraculous ways that God provides when we sacrifice to give. But we struggle to believe that. We, 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 I mean, it's nice, and we've heard it taught, but in our heart of hearts, we struggle to believe that. And with everything that we disagree on as a society, and we do, man, we're a polarized society with different opinions, and nobody agrees on really anything, the one thing that we pretty much all still agree with is that money is security. And if you have more or you keep more, your life will be better. That's pretty universally agreed upon. And so in our heart of hearts, giving is something that you do if anything is left over, which is nice, but the Bible in the Old Testament and the New Testament teach the exact opposite philosophy. They teach, the Bible teaches, old and new, that giving is what you do first because you'll never accidentally be generous. This is what the Bible teaches, that if you don't do it first, you'll never be as generous as you want to be. Because I don't have to tell you this. You know how life works. There's just a hole in the bottom of the bucket, especially if you have teenagers. Come on, parents of teenagers. Where does all the money go? And the food in the pantry, but that's a separate sermon. And so if you don't do it first, you never end up being as generous as you want to be. Never accidentally generous. And so last week, I read a, a few Bible verses from the Apostle Paul. We've actually read it every week when he was teaching the early Christians about giving. And I want to read it to you again. It's in 2 Corinthians. Apostle Paul writing to new Christians, early Christians, early church builders. A verse that many of us have heard many times. But I want to read it to you again. He says, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He says, remember this, because we forget. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. We all agree with that. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I've read this to you every week, and I love this verse. It is one of the verses that kind of is the foundation for how we do offering here at our church and how we manage money uh, here at our church and how we encourage you to give here at our church. And if you wanted to just break it down in its most basic outline, so to speak, we could say that God's plan for giving after Jesus, because of grace, that God's plan for giving is four steps. Pray about it, make a decision, be happy about it, stick to it. This is grace giving. Pray about it, make a decision, be happy about your decision. You get to decide. So if you're in a bad mood, that was your choice. And then stick to it. Don't be talked into it, don't feel guilty. Don't get mad about it. Don't be grumpy about it. Don't be mad at your spouse about it. Nope. Pray about it. Make a decision. Be happy about it. Stick to it. This is grace giving. This is what it feels like to give Because of grace, not because of guilt, not because of pressure, not because of the preacher, but because you have experienced the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And the only filter, the only metric, the only gauge for whether or not you are giving enough is if it's sacrificial. And only you can know that. And so I want to kind of end that sermon for, if I can... And I want to kind of turn the page, and I want to use what we just learned to now tell you what my hope for you is, not what my agenda for you is and not what my pressure for you is, but what my hope for you is. After being your pastor, many of you for a long time, a lot of you 15 years and 12 years and 10 years, knowing what our philosophy here is at the church, I want to spend just a a few minutes here at the end to tell you what I hope that you will decide to do. Not what you have to do, because you don't have to do anything. But my prayer and my hope for you, as you get ready to end 2022 and enter into 2023, is that you would make the decision to become a Christian who tithes. And if you do make that decision, by the way, you would be joining the minority of Christians who have made that commitment. As a national average, only about... 28% of church attenders give 10% of their income. And I believe with all of my heart, not just because I'm teaching it, but because I try to live it and model it, that the best model for you to follow for Christian generosity is the teaching of tithing. And Jesus, I believe, would agree with me. Actually, it'd probably be said better, I agree with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus agrees with me. It's not the best way to say it. But anyway, Matthew 23, Jesus is having this conversation, and he is talking to religious leaders who know the Old Testament law backwards and forwards. And they're asking him certain questions, and he's really kind of um, critiquing them pretty harshly because they don't get it. And just a little verse, and it's a long you could discourse. You can go and read it if you want to read all of it for context. But in, in verse 23 of chapter 23, Jesus says this statement. He says, you should tithe, yeah, but do not neglect the more important things. I love this, that Jesus was talking to people who meticulously tithed. But in context of what was happening, they were missing love and mercy. And so Jesus says to him, I don't want tithing Christians who are jerks. That's a paraphrase there. He says, tithing is not the most important thing. My goal for your life is not to get everyone to be a tither and then be like, we did it. My goal is for you to be people who are changed by grace and who walk in love and mercy. And but as a part of that, like you should tithe. But don't neglect the more important things. And as a general rule of thumb, we say it a lot around here, if Jesus did it or said you should do it, as a general rule of thumb, it's a good idea to do it because Jesus said it or did it. And so here he is, he's saying, listen, you should tithe, but don't be mean to people and conniving and don't do that. And so I think it would be fair to say, based on Jesus' conversation, and again, you can read the whole thing, but I think it would be fair to say that Christians don't have to tithe. We know that, but they should tithe. And the question is, why? Why? If I don't have to, why should I? I mean, we're talking about a lot of money, Jason, 10%. (laughs) I'm doing the math. I'm going to move the decimal over. I don't have that. I don't have it just laying around. But I do love this question. And I will say, I've never felt more free in all my life to, to talk about this topic and to help people with this topic just based on the idea of grace. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you, i got about 10 minutes left, I'm going to give you five reasons why you should tithe. And some of them are spiritual, but some of them are just very practical. For my life, I just want to talk personally, if you and I were to go to coffee and you were going to say, hey, I really want to do this, but I'm not sure, why should I do this? Why do you do this? Then I would just these are the, these are probably the five things I would tell you, some very practical, some very spiritual, and I just want to give them to you here in about ten minutes. All right, here we go. Why should you? You don't have to, but why should you? The first reason I would tell you is because tithing helps me budget. This is very practical. It's very practical. Proverbs does say things about budgeting, but I mean in general, budgeting is not a huge biblical topic. It's just a life topic. Tithing helps me budget. When you decide to give God the first 10% of what you make, it forces you to have a plan for the other 90%. It just starts the process of thinking about what you're going to do with your money. And I think it would be fair to say that for most of us, we don't make so much money that we could just give away 10% and not think about it or not have to worry about it. Matter of fact, most of us probably don't even have 10% that we could give right now, we would have to do some cutting and it would require us to look at our spending and, and make some decisions. And I know they already mentioned it earlier, but if I could just say one more time that I would encourage so many of you, I know several families have already signed up, I would encourage you if you were like budget, what is that? That's a curse word in my house. Then I would encourage you to sign up for Financial Peace University because it's going to help get, get that process started for you, and sounds like you only have 20 fights the rest of your marriage, based on what Clark and Allie said, which is worth the price of admission right there. Which is great. 50 dollars for 20 fights. So um, that's good value. I, it's not just about getting out of debt, it's about having a plan. And you can be in a deep hole but still have peace because you know what you're trying to do and where you're trying to go and you know that God's helping you. And so this is just the first very practical reason of why giving God the first 10% affects you in a positive way. It forces you to have a plan with the other 90 and we call that a budget. But the second reason that I would tell you is because tithing forces me to have discipline. As I look back over my life, I started tithing uh, when I was, when I got a job, I mean, 16, 17, I had a job, something my parents taught me to do, something that they modeled for me. And as I look back over the last 23 years of that, any time that I have not tithed, it's because I lacked discipline. And so tithing forces me to have discipline. This goes back to budgeting. It gets to the heart of financial problems. For many of us, statistically, we struggle financially because we're not great at managing money. <laughs> that was like the deepest thing I said all day. We struggle because we're not good at managing money. Maybe nobody taught us how to, or maybe we bought into culture's lies about attaining things. And... But tithing, giving God that first 10%, it forces me to say no to things. It forces me. I, don't, I can't. Like, it forces me to say no so that I can say yes to generosity and to God. And please hear me, it's not easy, especially at first. But that's because we need more discipline. And anything in your life that requires more discipline is hard. (laughs) Because you need discipline. You'll never accidentally tithe. Please hear that. You will never accidentally have 10% left over. And maybe your plan is one day to come into a lot of money and then you'll start doing it. If what you have now seems like not enough, no matter how much you ever have, won't seem like enough. We talked about this. Jesus said those who do not have, even what they have will be taken. It's a mentality that we have. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. So tithing requires that you have a plan and you stick to it, which means that you've got to say no to other things. And I think we could all admit that we need help saying no. It's just hard to say no. So it helps me budget. It forces me to have discipline. The third thing I would tell you is that tithing helps my church. God's plan from the beginning for tithing in the Old Testament and then sacrificial giving in the New Testament is that it helps to fund the church. And I said to you the first week that God doesn't need your money, but your church does. Nonprofits do. Homeless people do. Poor people do. It's just a reality that from the beginning, God set it up for tithes and offerings to fund the temple, the priests, things like that. Have some churches misused it? Yeah. But this is his plan. It still involves giving to his church. And I could take too much time to talk about the pride that I have and our finance team here at Oak City and, and the things that we do to best You know, be good managers of the money that is given from the accountability, the structure that we have, the accountants that professionally do this and then volunteer to help us here at the church. We work hard to keep our admin costs down. But it's not just about utilities and pastors, it's also about ministry that's changing lives. It's funding our kids and and student ministry so our kids can know Jesus. It's funding Celebrate Recovery and Deep Change so people can find freedom. It's funding our missionaries and our global projects, building homes and helping orphans. It's funding our partnerships with South Louisville Ministries and Habitat for Humanity and others. And on your own, your giving may not be able to do all that much, but when we pull it together, we're making a difference in the lives of people all over the world. And you're part of that. This is not my idea or Hope City's idea. This is the way that God decided all the way back, Genesis, Exodus, this is really Exodus. This is the way that he decided that he would fund his church to do ministry, the church that he's building that the gates of hell would not prevail against. So it helps me budget, it helps me have discipline, it helps, me, helps my church. The fourth thing I would tell you is that tithing forces me to trust God. When I wrote this out originally, I said, tithing helps me, trust God. But let's just be real. We got to be forced <laughs> to trust God sometimes. The first three reasons that I gave you are true, whether you're a Christian or not. You don't have to be a Christian. To give God 10% helps you budget, helps you have discipline, helps churches or nonprofit causes. Tithing's just good business sense. But these last two reasons are strictly spiritual. You ask anyone who's ever started tithing, and they will tell you that it was one of the scariest things that they have ever done. Talked to somebody this week about it, actually. But the reason that they did it is because they believed that the 90% left over after the tithe would go farther than if they had held on to all their money, which is illogical and feels irresponsible. And listen, they may have barely believed it. I'm not saying that they were full of faith when they did it. Maybe it was mustard seed size faith, but they believed it enough to start. And you'll never trust God like when you start giving sacrificially, knowing that he must provide. And this is not just true with money, by the way, when you have to forgive or let go of a a grudge that like you hold on to out of a sense of justice. You really got to trust God that he makes things right. Or when you lose something in your life that you depend on, you've really got to trust God. Well, all of us would say money is something that we really lean on and depend on. And so to take it and change the way, even if what we do is not working and provides pain and dysfunction in our life, it's still what we know. And so we begin to tithe and we are forced to trust God and we are forced to, maybe we say it out loud or maybe we think it in our head or in our heart, we're forced to say, God, this feels insane, but I'm going to try you. I'm going to trust you. And that kind of leads us to our fifth and final point. If I was having coffee with you and you asked me why I did it and why you should do it, the fifth thing I would tell you is because tithing puts God to the test. Practically speaking, it helps me budget It helps me to have discipline, forces me to have discipline. It helps my church. But spiritually speaking, it forces me to trust God. And last, it puts God to the test. And this may seem like a a strange statement. What, What do I mean that we put God... To the test. Well, this is actually a phrase taken straight from the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. The Malachi was the last book in the Old Testament before Jesus showed up. The context of Malachi is that God's people are not obeying. They're not doing what God has asked them or instructed them to do in several areas. But one of the areas was in the tithe, the Old Testament law. They weren't doing it. God actually uses the language that you're robbing me. Because of what he had instructed them to do in the Old Testament. And so in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, this is what God says to the people through the prophet Malachi. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, talking about the, the temple, that there may be food in my house. And here's the phrase. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see... If I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Some of you have heard me teach on this before. But what is so amazing about this passage of scripture is that this is the only place in all of the Bible where God uses this terminology. Test me in this. Put me to the test. Just see. Just see. There's something playful about God in this type of way where he's, he's, he's saying to you right now as you're thinking and you're thinking in your heart and you're and not out of guilt, not out of pressure, you're wanting to prayerfully consider it, you're wanting to make a decision and you're standing there and you're trying to figure out what to do and there's almost this playfulness to God's like, well, let's just see, let's just see. Test me. Challenge me. Call me out. He says... I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And this is the best reason of all, not just budgeting and discipline and helping and trusting. This is the best reason of all because God's reputation is at stake. You are putting God's reputation at stake. And can I tell you, I have met I've met people before. I've talked to people before who would say, yeah, I used to tithe, but I don't tithe anymore. But I've never met one person who would say, I regret that I did it. It was a mistake. They may have stopped. But I've never met anyone that could say, that could tarnish God's reputation for what he said here. We prayerfully make the decision to give him the first 10%, not because we have to, but because we prayerfully decide that we want to. And he has promised to bless our life in whatever way he knows is best for us. I can't tell you what the blessings of God would be like. It's probably not a Lambo, as my son would say. Like, Dad, get a Lambo. That's what he always tells me. I have a Honda Pilot. Um... You know, it's probably not a mansion. Because remember what we said the first week, that God doesn't measure life the way we measure life. So we hear blessing and we use the wrong ruler, the world's ruler. That's not the ruler God uses. But he does promise to bless us. And for so many of us, we're cynical about it. We're pinched. We just don't know how we can do it. And God invites us into the best negotiation, the best deal ever. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to test. I want you to test me. I'm going to let you test me. You give me 10. And just see what I do. Just see what I do. And so I hope that for these last three weeks, if you've been here, you've heard the heart of what Jesus teaches and the Bible teaches. That there is no guilt. There is no condemnation. There is no shame. There is only compulsion because of grace. And so we pray about it. We make a decision. We feel good about it. And we stick to it. And so one of the things that we have done for many, 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 many years here at Hope City Church is we have partnered with God in this challenge of testing him. And right now, underneath the seat in front of you is a card. Will you reach down there and grab that card for me? Just grab that card out of there because I want to just tell you about this quickly. We do this pretty much every year at the end of the year. No gimmick. Just a, a genuine desire to help you take this step to be a Christian who tithes. And so here's what we do at Hope City. We call it our tithe challenge. It's 90 days or three months. And if you fill out this card and you begin to tithe starting in the new year, at the end of 90 days, if you would say, I want my money back, we'll give it back to you. Every penny. We have somebody who keeps up with it. And if you come to us and you say, all right, Jason, I took you at your word and I tested God and I want it back. We'll give it all back to you, because we don't want your money, and God doesn't want your money. We want you to trust God. We we want you to experience God in a way that you will never experience Him until you sacrificially give, because you want to. And so, if you want to take that card, fill it out. You can also do this online, up on the screen. There's a QR code. You can take your phone and you can fill that out online. Um, Drop it in the box. We'll reach out to you through email or letter or something like that. Nothing imposing. And we just want to help you take that stuff. Is it scary? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Absolutely. And if at the end of it you say it didn't work, whatever that means for you. And just so you know, we have had people come get their money back. We have, you know. And we, we, we will do it because we, we want you to experience God in this way. All right? So take that card drop it in the bucket, pray about it, make a decision, feel good about it, stick to it. I'm gonna pray for us and then you're gonna have the opportunity to take communion and then I believe we have two baptisms here in the first service that'll happen during worship. But when you come forward today, if you'd like to do this, you don't have to, but when you come forward today and you take communion, I want you to think about the fact that God has already Proven to you how committed he is to you when he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And do you think that he would send his son, but then withhold the material things that we would need in this life? No. So when you take that bread and you dip it into that juice, I want you to remember, God has already proven how committed he is to me. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. A physical, human, tangible reminder of how committed you are to us. That you withhold no good thing from us, including your son, to be the sacrifice for our sins. And so God, I pray today for every person who's on the edge, they're thinking about it, they're considering it. God, I pray that they would not feel shame or pressure or guilt or condemnation. I pray, God, they would feel freedom I I pray they would feel hope and faith. And they would take the step to be a more generous Christian because of grace. God, I pray for those people who need to make the decision today to be a Christian who tithes. That we would make the decision going into the new year. That we're going to trust you in a way that we've never trusted you before. And maybe we're going to freak out a little bit. Maybe our hand's going to shake while we're writing on that card. Because we're nervous but God, you are inviting us into a new way to know you that we've never known you before. God, I pray for Hope City Church. I pray that we would continue to be a place that would manage and steward your gifts well, but God, I pray for even more resources to do even more ministry and reach even more people. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said.